0: We see his presence. We see his performance. We see his ability. We see its faithfulness throughout the night to perform in our lives. In your own words. I don't know, is there anyone in church this morning who desired divine performance in your life. Beloved, I've seen it in my life. And he can do it in your life. The very things we dreamed about, the very things we talked about, the very things we imagined about, he brings a divine uncommon performance. Even in pandemic, when we thought that things will not happen, when we thought that our needs will not be met, when we thought our dream will never materialize, that is the God that we serve. He can save with few and can save with many. In abundance, he can deliver. And in lack, he can also deliver. We say that God with whom there is no scarcity, he never runs short of supply. Indeed, he supplies all of our needs according to his riches. In Christ Jesus. What is your need this morning? Beloved, is the God who performs. Will you lift up your voice and bless such a great God? And bless such a magnificent God? And bless the I am that I am God. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, Father, we thank you. We surrender our lives at our feet. Take our lives and do something magnificent with our lives. Take our lives and perform your wonders. In our lives, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. It's lovely to see all of you. Praise God. We thank God. This is Bread of Life Ministries. We meet here every Sunday via Zoom. Praise God. And we thank God for all of your life. Every household represented here. We are grateful to God for your life, for your commitment and dedication to serve the Lord and to be in his presence. Beloved, I can assure you there is no place to be than in the presence of the Lord God Almighty. Somebody put your hands together for the Lord right there. And on Monday, 6 to 7, is our intercess prayer meeting where we meet to pray for the church, the members of the church, and uh, our nation and our city in Jesus' mighty name. And immediately after intercession prayers is a discipleship class, which begins from 7 till 8, 7 till 8 p.m., praise God, beloved, he is a God who satisfies, amen, he is a God who satisfies, somebody you miss a good place to shout amen, amen. hallelujah, amen. and he satisfies our need, he says that we who are evil, we know how to give good gifts to our children, when they ask for bread, we don't give them stones. Neither do we give them snake when they ask for fish. Praise God. And I love this test because Bible says that we who are evil, in other words, in our woman capacity, there is no ability or capacity in us to do good. It takes the grace of God for us to do good. But we serve a good father. A heavenly father who does good all the times. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Today, uh, we thank God. I'm beginning a new series. Hallelujah. Building the tabernacle of the Lord. Hallelujah. Somebody shout, Hallelujah. And I believe this will take us for the next four weeks. Praise God. If the Lord tarries, praise God. If rapture doesn't happen whilst we are preaching in your living room and the Lord tarries, we we believe in God, this will take us, building the tabernacle of the Lord will take us four to five weeks as the Lord gives us the grace in the mighty name of Jesus. And following up with, in the power of his might, this is also one, message I would want you to lock in your spirit. Amen. Hallelujah. It's one message that I would like you to lock in your spirit. In other words, you've got to take notes. You've got to go back to the word. You've got to meditate on the word and allow the word of God to bring a performance into your own situation in the mighty name of Jesus. Building the tabernacle of the Lord. Hallelujah. I wait for you. Get your notes and paper ready and let's go for it. Hallelujah. Now, when we talk of tabernacle, what do we mean? When we talk of temple, what do we mean? When we talk of place of meeting, what do we really mean or what do we talk about? I want to take my time this week and I want you to come also with me, praise God, and let's together walk through the word of God and in the power of his mind because when his spirit come upon us, his spirit fill us. And the Bible makes us also to understand that we are also the temple of the Holy Ghost. So his spirit does not come in a vacuum. His spirit needs a habitation. Amen. His spirit needs a habitation. And we are the habitation of the spirit of God. And when we talk of tabernacle, It is a symbol of God's dwelling place. Amen. Somebody say God dwelling place. Amen. So when the Bible say that, don't you know that ye are the temple of the Holy Ghost and that the spirit of God dwells in you, it simply means that we are the dwelling place of God. Somebody say, I am the dwelling place of God. So if you are the dwelling place of God, it simply means literally that God lives in you. Another question is, does God live in you? Amen. It is a different thing to say that I am the dwelling place of God, but does God dwell in you? Right now, if you take your current address, wherever you are, You are the inhabitant of that address. You live in that address. So if I live here, it means that I have access to this house. I can go to everybody's bedroom provided I knock at the door. And they give me access. It means that I can move from the stairs, upstairs, downstairs, in the back garden, and in the front drive. I have access because I live here. It is my address. Maybe Don can come here and visit, but he does not live here. He is limited to the visiting area in the lounge where I give him access. If I need him upstairs or I need him in any of the rooms, I have to invite him. I have to call him. He cannot come and begin to go upstairs and into my bedroom. Why? He has no access. He does not live here and vice versa. If I go to his house, I can only be allowed in the place where he gives me access. So when we talk of tabernacle being the dwelling place of God, it means that God has access. Somebody say access. And access is very important in life. Amen. Access is very important. You've got to be careful whom you give access to your life. Whom are you giving access to your ears? In other words, whom are you listening to? Who is feeding you with counsel and advice? You've got to be careful what you give access to your eyes. Your eye gate, your ear gate. You've got to be very, very careful. Because access makes entry and access makes exit. Anytime an access is abused, it is taken away. Many of us have had challenges in life because of an access we disregarded or we dishonored. When we talk of tabernacle as a dwelling place of God, it means that God has access. So if there is no tabernacle, it means that there is no access for God. So we've got to make room. We've got to to create that place where he can dwell. In the Old Testament, when we talk of tabernacle, it was a moving church. And it was usually a tent place of meeting. And God never released his spirit without the place of meeting. There's always a place of meeting. When he ordered Moses to bring 72 of the elders to release his spirit upon them, it was at the place of meeting, at the tent of meeting. There's got to be that place where he dwells, where he can meet with his people. Somebody shout amen. So it it was not a static place. In the Old Testament, it was a moving tabernacle. In other words, God moved with the people because there was a lot of movement with the people. So what it simply means that the Lord was among them all the time. How many of us would love to be in that realm where the Lord is with you all the time? I can see your hand. Praise God. Hallelujah so I can see your hand, where the Lord not sometimes like you don't want to be a visitor in your home. You want to have access, you want the Lord to be with you all the time, but you've got to prepare, you've got to make him that tabernacle so that he can be there with you and meet with you. And if it is the spirit you want, he can release it upon you. Hallelujah. It is a dwelling place. So it is not a place of visitation. It is a place of habitation. Someone say it is not a place of visitation. Many of us just love to visit. But... God doesn't just want a visit. He wants a habitation. In other words, he wants to inhabit in our lives. He wants to stay in our lives. He doesn't want to come in and go. He wants to have full access in our lives. Is anybody receiving anything for today? So in building... The tabernacle of the Lord, what do we really, really want? What do we really mean? Amen. Mm-hmm. All we simply mean by building the tabernacle of the Lord spiritually is that God, here am I, dwell. Don't just visit. Don't just visit. But dwell. Just dwell. Stay with me. Don't leave me. But stay with me. Don't just come in and go. Or don't restrict yourself to the lounge. But have full access. That his presence will dwell among us. And as part of this series, the word tabernacle appeared in the Bible for 139 times. So we've got to pay attention to it. In the mouth of two witnesses, an issue is established. So you can't take a matter on a value point just on a single witness or just one occurrence. It could be a mistake or an accident. But when a word happened 139 times, it can't be by chance. It can't be by accident. Neither can it be a mistake means a, it is there for a purpose, and significantly so. Somebody say purpose. In Exodus chapter number 25, reading from verse number one, then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, tell the children of Israel to take an offering for me. Somebody say offering. Offering. To take an offering for who? For me. Amen. The Lord who spoke to Moses said, take an offering. This offering, it is not for you, Moses. Neither is it for Aaron. It is not for any other thing. But take an offering for me. From every man, somebody say every man. Every man. And every man, somebody say every woman. Every woman. From every man whose heart moves him to give willingly. Somebody say heart. Heart. So you see, when it comes to offering, it is not a matter of how much you have but it is a matter of the heart. Never come to a place of your life where you have nothing to give to God. There is never a place in your life that you have nothing to give because he will not call for an offering when he has not already provided. So when it comes to offering, it is not how much you have it is not how much you have saved. It is not how much you have budgeted to give, but it's your heart's willing. You might have billions and billions and trillions of pounds or dollars, but if your heart is not willing, you can never give. Mm-hmm. That is why we see a lot of successful millionaires who would rather gamble than to give to the poor or the needy, because the heart is not there. Money follows the heart of the owner. Money in the hands of a drug addict becomes a drug addict's money, You use the money for drugs. Money in the hands of a philanthropist will use the money to do good. Money in the hands of an abuser will use the money to abuse people. Money follows the heart of the owner. So when it comes to offering, it is not how much you have It is not how much you can give but it's your heart willing and God knows that very well Amen So when he demanded an offering, somebody say an offering. When the Lord demanded an offering, he said, Moses, I know that people are well endowed because I have given them, I have blessed them, I have given them resources, I have given them silver, I have given them gold, I have given them favor, I know. So there's no doubt about their capacity to give, but is your heart willing? Have you experienced buying a chocolate for a child? Maybe your son, your daughter, your grandchild, or somebody else's child. You buy them a chocolate, a whole bar of chocolate, and you ask them to give you just one, a bit of it. Some children will never give you they forgot that you gave them the whole bar. But why? They can't share, why? Because they are not willing, even though they have their chocolate, they have a whole bar, as a matter of fact, they cannot eat everything, or even if they open it, they will just mess everything up. They are not willing to share, but they forgot that the person who gave them has the power to give them even more chocolate. That's like a child. And many of us are like that. Our Heavenly Father has prospered us. He has blessed us, even in this lockdown. Amen. For some of us, even in this COVID, God has blessed us and prospered us. But it's our heart willing. Maybe you have made a lot of money that you you don't even know how to spend it. So God is saying that Moses, there's no problem with the resources because I have blessed them. Others lost their job, but you have worked through this pandemic every day. In fact, your, your work has even increased. And it is not by chance. It is God. And he comes back and say, Eric, give me some of that which I've given you. Like a child, I begin to withhold it from you. Say, no, 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 it's not enough for me. So the Lord said to Moses, The resources, it's not a problem. I know it's there because I have blessed it, but is your heart willing? And, beloved, this is the first place we see the word tabernacle in the Bible. Amen. And every man whose heart moves him to give willingly. So we don't need to beg for the offering. But I say it has to be willingly. Amen. This is the offering you are to receive from them. And if you are there in Exodus chapter number 25, verse number 3, I want us to read that verse together. It is the heart that will give. So I said verse number three. Let's read together. This is the offering you are to receive from them. Gold, silver, and bronze. And you see, red wealth is measured not in money but in gold so he did not ask for 10 shillings or 30 shekels but he said gold let them bring gold let them bring silver and let them bring bronze hallelujah 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 And where did they get these things from? Praise the Lord. Now, Exodus 11, verse number two, don't turn there. I'll quickly read. But keep your hands, Exodus 25, three, praise God. Now, Exodus 11, in the ears of the people and let every man you see when it was giving the offering every man who is willing but over here say so let every man borrow of his neighbor and every woman of her neighbor jewels of silver Jewels of gold. So, did the people have it? Praise God. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Amen. And verse number 1235. And the children of Israel did according to the word of Moses, and they borrowed of the Egyptians jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment. And the Lord gave their people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they lent unto them, so that they did what? They lent unto them. The Lord said to them, go borrow and borrow from the Egyptians. Why? Because he knows that there's going to be a time that you need or you make a demand for them to give willingly. Just as they also receive willingly. Praise God. So the Bible says them, and the Lord gave them favor. Somebody say favor. Somebody say favor. Somebody say, favor. Somebody say I receive favor. I receive favor. I receive favor in the name of Jesus. So the Bible said the Lord gave them favor in the sight of the Egyptians to whom the Lord has asked to borrow articles or jewels of silver and of gold. Somebody shout amen. And Bible said because of the favor that the God granted unto them, their people could not resist. They could not withhold from them But they also lent it to them. Can you imagine? Where were they going to get them to get their gold and silver? Because these people were leaving town. They were leaving city. Amen. They were leaving Egypt never to return. But because of the favor that the Lord gave them, they did not even ask them the terms of payment or reference. How are you going to pay this? Like when you are borrowing money from the bank. They will scrutinize you. Before they will give you, they want to scrutinize you. How much do you earn? How much are you saving? Can you pay it? the interest on it? But these people did not even ask that because God has given them favor. These people, they knew they were living in town. And yet they go and say, Pharaoh's uh, uh, wife, well, give me your I mean, the big earring, the, the big one, it's too much, full of gold. Like some of the this earring, praise God, hallelujah. You see that necklace there, it's like, chunky one. Bring, that is the one I want to, bring maybe a light one, the slim one. You say, no, 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 I want the big one, because that is much gold. And some of you ladies, we are coming for all the gold. You've... All the money invested in the gold, the Lord needs it. Amen. Amen. So we are coming for it. If you give me the small one, Nessa, if you give me the slim one, I won't take that. I will take the fat one. Somebody say fat fat gold. Amen. The Lord needs it. Praise God. Is anybody getting blessed? So these people did not ask for terms of reference. They did not ask, how are you going to pay? You are not working. You haven't worked. How are you going to get work? This is very expensive. It is 24 carats. It is 18 carats. Can you afford it? How can you? How are you going to? They did not ask any carats. Bible says because of their favor, and I see that favor coming upon you in the mighty name of jesus because of that favor the people lent it to them without asking guarantees, without asking for people to guarantee their loan without asking for people how their addresses where they are moving to and where they are when they are coming back without asking their favor they lent it willingly unto them bible says, and they spoil. The Egyptians. Their prayer, their crying, all those things did not spoil the Egyptians. But the moment they took their gold and silver, beloved, wealth is power. The moment they took their wealth, Bible says they were spoiled. It's like those, when they have fled, they say, why did we do this? When are we going to get this, our jewels back? When are we going to get our gold back? So Bible says it spell the Egyptians. So God has given them the resources, God has given them the provision when they have borrowed the gold and the silver from their neighbors in Egypt. And now they come into the wilderness, and the Lord said unto Moses, Take for me an offering. Let me check the heart of my people. For they did not work for this gold that is in their ears and in their ankles and in their, in their neck and all their, their fingers and all these places. They were giving freely. They did not work for it. Now let us see if they will bring it back to me. Because I've got the power and the resources to even give them better. There's a song Sung by Brownsville Revival. God, if you are giving me this much, there must be more. So give me more. Beloved, he's a God of more than enough. Amen. Ephesians 3:20 said that we said a God who is far richly, exceeding above, who is able to do far exceedingly. I like the way the amplifier put it. Amen. Over and above on top of what we even imagine so we serve a too much god so if he has given us this much he can give us more praise god sometimes you are blessed with things that you never imagined possible and you see it effortlessly coming within your reach So what else can he not give you? The other time I was speaking to Minister Teresa, and I was saying to her, everything I ask God, he gives to me. So anything I ask God, he gives to me. I have not liked anything I ask for God, he gives me. And I said to her that, but this church building has taken too long. Is the only thing I could see in my life that I have prayed for it and prayed and asked and asked that it's appeared it's not happened. And I remember saying, oh, for, it's coming. Amen. So he's able to do far exceedingly and abundantly above all that we think or even imagine. So he said, Too much God. So, God, if you are giving us this much, there must be more. Somebody say, More. So, in Exodus 25 3, he says that you need to them. Is somebody following me today? He has already given it, but now God is checking if we are like that child. we be so excited when our father or mother or a visitor comes to the house and brings us maybe one gum, because I love wine gums. And sometimes you have the whole, do they pack of wine gums, And sometimes somebody wants to take a one. You've got about 16 or 20 in a pack. Somebody just wants one, and yet you are refusing to give because you don't want it to finish. You've always got that scarcity mentality that things are going to run out. But are they willing? Amen. Are they willing? So the Lord said, "This are the sacrifice. These are the offering I want them to bring. And he goes on and mentioned the list. Uh, blue and purple, scarlet fabric, fine twisted linen. You see, God will not ask for anything cheap. Amen. He does not ask for things cheap because he owns cattle on a thousand hills. The cattle are not numbered. So just imagine how wealthy this God we're talking about. A God who treats the very things we value. The things we pay hefty money for. The gold that we don't even want the nine karat English gold. We want the 18 carats. We want 24 karat gold. The gold that we treasure so much, we put it on our neck, everybody to showcase. That is his street. So the very things that we value, we cherish, he tramples upon it. And one time, one day, together, we will trample and walk on the street of gold. Beloved, say blue, purple, scarlet fabric, fine twisted linen. Even the linen, he qualifies it. Don't just get any linen. It has to be fine. Defeating for our God, goat's hair, ram's skin, dyed red, and it goes on. And it says in verse number eight, Have them build a sanctuary for me. That sanctuary is translated Tabernacle. Have them build. Top knuckle for me. So this offering the Lord is calling from, it is not for hospital visitation or donation. It is not for homeless donation. It is not for widow's donation. It is an offering to build the Lord a dwelling place. Somebody say dwelling place. And I say a dwelling place is not a, a place of visitation. It is not a one-stop shop that you just get it, it's, a, it's a dwelling. You dwell. You live there. Amen. You live there. I want to live with you. I want to live among you. I want to be with you. Verse number nine. These are all my introductions. Praise God. I believe next week we will get into the word. This is all my introduction, but I want you to get this introduction very well and lock it in your spirit because we're gonna build on top of this. Amen. Verse number nine says that "You shall construct in other, you shall construct it in accordance with everything that I am going to show you, as the pattern of the tabernacle." and the pattern of all its furniture somebody say amen you see god dwelt he lived in the midst of his people in the wilderness and his presence was symbolically manifested in a tent of meeting So when the cloud moves, they move. So it was a moving tabernacle, a moving dwelling place. When the cloud settles, they stay. Amen. So because he wants to dwell and dwell with them, he did not manifest his presence without the tent of meeting. So there will always be a reference where God will meet with you. Somebody will miss a good place to shout amen. I said there there need to be a point of reference, a place where God will meet with you. In Leviticus chapter number 26, verse number 11. I will make my dwelling among you. Somebody say dwelling. I will make my dwelling among you. And my soul will not reject nor separate itself from you. And I will set my tabernacle among you. And my soul shall not abhor you. And I will walk among you. Amen. God is saying that because you are my tabernacle, I will walk among you. In other words, I will live inside you. So, greater is He who is in you than the devil and their agent who is trying to get at you. They are trying to get at you, but greater is He. Who is already living on the inside of you? He dwells. Somebody say, dwell. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. What does it mean to dwell? That is the next question. If it is a dwelling place, what do we mean? To dwell is to live or stay as a permanent resident. You reside there. Amen. So it is not a place that you stay, you come and go. That is visitation. Sometimes you go and visit people. When you visit people, you don't stay there for two months. You don't stay there for two weeks, unless, of course, you are prepared for that time. But you come back to your abode, where you dwell. So I say that, I will walk among you, and you will be, and will be your God, and ye shall be my people. Hallelujah. I will walk among you. Beloved, that is just a supernatural word. Can you imagine as little as you are? You've got the whole Holy Ghost living on the inside of you. You've got God the Father, our Heavenly Father, Sometimes we don't even consider ourselves worthy. And yet he has chosen to walk among us. We are the mansion of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. You miss a good place to shout amen. I said that we are the mansion. We are not just terrace buildings. We are the mansion of the Holy Spirit. Can you just envisage that God is walking among you? God is working on the inside of you. He says the heaven cannot contain Him, the earth cannot contain Him. The heaven is His dwelling place, His throne, and the earth is His footstool. Somebody who is so big that the heaven and earth cannot contain Him, and yet He is working among you. You are not an ordinary person. Somebody say, I am not an ordinary person. You got the whole Father, Heavenly Father, living on the inside of you, even though we don't deserve it. Yet He has chosen to walk on the inside of you. Why? Because He dwells, He's not a visitor, He doesn't want to be a visitor. He wants to permanently dwell. He wants to permanently stay. He wants to live permanently among you. So he said, build me, offer, take an offering. And for this offering, build me a tabernacle. Build me a sanctuary. Build me a place of meeting where I can dwell among you, where I can have my being in you, where I can be your God and you be my people, where I can lead you and direct you, where you don't have to search for me anymore. I am inside you. You look for me and you find me because I am living on the inside of you. I will live, I will walk among them. Hallelujah. And I will be your God. Can you see how God is relationship hungry for you? Hallelujah. Have you seen how desperate he wants to have a relationship with you? And yet so many times we reject his request for relationship. He said that, I will walk among you and will be your God. I want to have a relationship with you. I want to love you. I want to provide for you. I want to protect you. I want to save you. I want to deliver you. I want to be your God. Will you give me that access? Will you give me that access? Hallelujah. The Lord wants to dwell among us. In Bread of Life Ministries, I believe the Lord wants to dwell among us. So, Pastor, what are you talking about? Does it mean that the Lord is not dwelling among us? There is a dwelling and there is a dwelling. Amen. I said, the tabernacle in the Old Testament was a moving place of meeting. It was a moving, they, they moved it. But you see, a time came that the Lord demanded them to build him a temple. And that temple is no longer a moving place of worship or gathering. It was a permanent, where strangers can come and also have an encounter with God. So we've got to come from the place of moving to a place where even strangers, because when the stranger is not with you, they don't have any encounter or experience with God. But you've got to come to a place where even strangers who do not know our God will find themselves in that place and see the fullness of our God. Amen. So in Haggai chapter number one, I will end my introduction with this, and we'll pick it up next week, if rapture does not happen after service or right now in service. In the second year of Diros, king of Persia, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai. Someone said the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord. So this is not man-made word. It is not man-concontent. It is not man-engineered. It is not for selfish aggrandizement or self-indulgence. But the word of the Lord, beloved, the word of the Lord will not come void. It will always accomplish the purpose, the assignment, the vision, the dream for which that word is released. Somebody shout amen. And I believe every word of the Lord concerning your life, just as the Lord makes it happen for me, the Lord will make it happen for you in the name of Jesus. There are times in our lives when we hope for some things, when we have faith for something, the evidence of the unseen, but now they are before our eyes. We don't hope for them anymore. We don't hope for them any longer. Why? Because the Lord has exceeded our hope. I preached a message some time ago, the Lord will end your hope. In other words, when he, the things you hope for, he delivers them to you, that hope is ended. You move on to the next thing you begin to hope for. Amen. The word of the Lord. So if it be the word of the Lord, it is not the prophet own word. It is what God has put in his mouth. And what is the word of the Lord? What is the word God put in his mouth? Maybe it is the same word God has put in my mouth that I am speaking unto right now. The Bible says in Genesis, he said to Moses, and Moses spoke in the ears of the people. In other words, that which I am about to do, that which I'm about to ask, it must be spoken into their ears. Let it enter into their heart and let their heart be willing because I demand an offering. Somebody said the Lord demands an offering. Hallelujah. The word of the Lord came by Hagar, the prophet, to Zerubbabel the son of Shetel, the governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Johazadek, the high priest saying, that says the Lord. I love that. Hallelujah. I am so blessed. I'm just enjoying this service today. Hallelujah. How many of you have been blessed by this service today? I am so blessed. I'm getting blessed. Hallelujah. I'm just being so blessed by this. Beloved, you see, that says the Lord. And any time I come across that says the Lord, I kind of open my ears and my, open my heart, ready to receive. Because, beloved, once I see spoken, twice have I heard that all power belongs to God. So if that says the Lord, I must pay attention to it. Praise the Lord. These people say, These people say, that is God speaking. So you see, God knows our intent. Praise God. He knows our thoughts. Right now in this service, God knows every heart. Every mind, every word declared from this pulpit, every analysis you have made, God knows. So God says that these people say, how did God know that they were talking? Haggai's got only two chapters. So maybe this week, just do a study on it and move with me as we go through this series. How did God know that the people were talking? Amen. Because when the heart is not willing People are subject to talk. When you yourself know that this is not right, you begin to talk. It's a defense mechanism. Amen. In psychology, we call something defense mechanism. When you know that you are answerable, you begin to put up defense systems. To prevent any questions or accountability. So many of you, sometimes you do I thing and we ask you, you just begin to be unnecessarily angry. It's a defense mechanism. And sometimes, I mean, I did a little bit of my psychology. You know, it's a defense mechanism. The person, before you be asked, they kind of frown their face so that you can't ask them anything, they are guilty. Amen. They are guilty. Anytime people begin to put defense mechanisms in, they don't open themselves for interrogations, for accountability. They just become unnecessarily upset so that you leave them alone. These people say that time has not come that the Lord's house, temple, should be rebuilt. So in other words, Haggai is using rebuilt. In other words, the temple was there before, but it is no longer functional. It is no longer active. It is no longer working. The presence of God is no longer there. And the people are saying that it is not time to build the Lord's house. But the Lord wants a relationship. He wants to dwell among us. So if there's no temple, if there's no tabernacle, where will he dwell? He wants to have a fellowship with you. He wants to have a relationship with you. So he said that I will be your God. That I want to be your God. I want to walk among you. I want to have a relationship with you. I want to protect you. I want to deliver you. I want to grant you peace. I want to give you peace. He wants a relationship. So if there's no temple, if there's no tabernacle, where does he dwell? In other words, he will just come once in a blue moon and visit and go. How many of you want dwelling than visitation? Amen. I would I rather want the Lord to stay with me than to visit with me. Amen. The time has not come. Somebody say time. And who determines the time? You are saying the time has not come. Who determines the time? Who holds the time in his hands? Many of us are wasting our time with time. But we don't honor the giver of time and the creator of time. He's the one who can make up for you, even when you have lost time. The people say time has not come. Who is the custodian of time? Who watches over time? Who set the boundaries of time, 24 hours? Who set it? And who has the order to determine the Kairos time or the Zaman time or the Aeon time? The three levels, the Hebrews categorize time. So the people are saying that time has not come yet. Really? Who set the time and who determines the time? Then the word of the Lord came by prophet Haggai saying, is it time for you yourself? Amen. Now we say it is not time to rebuild the house of the Lord. Sometimes, in the pressure of life, things get damaged, things get abused, things get overused, and occasionally, once in a season, you will need to restore, you need to replenish, you need to put in order for good use. But the people that are to Put and to restore the tabernacle, the temple, the house of the Lord. They are now busy with their business in their panel houses. It is not just any other house, but paneled house. I don't know, those of you in England, if you haven't been to Buckingham Palace, you don't know what a panel panel house is. But those of us in Africa, we we know what a panel house is. A panel house. It's a house that when you build, and instead you don't see wall, the, the, the concrete or the masonry work, but you, you use t wood, expensive wood, different type, and you, you arrange it. They have made very various designs. Kumasi people are brilliant with panel houses. They arrange it, so you don't see concrete. It's all wooden, polished walls. It is the wealthy people that panel their houses. But so I said that you are saying that it is not time to rebuild my house, which is in ruin, which is out of use, which is not fit for purpose anymore. But it is time for you yourself. Somebody say myself. Amen. It is time for me to leave in your expensive panel houses. I love the uh, amplifier. He does not even just qualify it as a panel house. I said that these panel houses are the richest people that do that. The wealthiest people. He said that it, it is expensive because the poor person cannot do it. And yet these same rich people are saying that we cannot rebuild the house of the Lord. It's too expensive. It costs a lot of money. We haven't got that kind of money. We don't have that savings. And yet they have built for themselves panel houses. Amen. Some of us, our panel houses is our shoes. Amen. Amen. What has become your panel house? We can conveniently rob God of 10% of our income and we buy new shoes. We buy new suits. Amen. But is it time? Who determines the time? Who controls the time and the season? Beloved, once we have the opportunity, once God has gifted us this day, for Esther said that, for I came for the kingdom for such a time as this. If I perish, I will perish. Realizing that she occupies that position for the deliverance of the Jewish people. So I'm not going to let this opportunity pass me by. Once I am privileged to sit on the seat I am sitting, I will do everything possible in my ability and capacity to put my life on the line. What are you willing to put your life on for? Are you willing to put your life on the line for Jesus? Whilst this house of the Lord lies in ruins. Beloved, and that breaks my heart. The Lord saw it and said, This is not good. Because if he was happy with it, he will not talk about it. Let me take you back. Thank you, Jesus. I will make my dwelling among not reject or separate itself from you, so the tabernacle, the temple, it is for our benefit. So the Lord looks at how the place He could live inside the people, how He could move among them, how He could turn their situation around, and yet He is separated from them. Why? Because we say it is not yet time. Somebody say, Time. Is it now time to dwell in expensive panel houses? Now, therefore, now there's a caution. Amen. Now, therefore, that says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways and thoughtfully reflect on your conduct. I will end with Haggai chapter number 1, verse number 5. Now, therefore, that says the Lord. So it is not a prophet's own words. It is God speaking. Consider, rethink, reflect, analyze, Ponder, ponder your ways and thoughtfully engage your mind. Come to the place of soberness and engage your mind. Look what the Lord can do if he is with you. And what will happen if he is not with you? I would rather want the Lord be with me than not with me. Consider. Reflect your ways of operation. In building the tabernacle of the Lord, the Lord sees because every... All of our conversation, he knows and he hears. Even the conversation, during this service, and after this service, he knows and he sees. And as a people, the Lord is asking us to reflect. How am I building? How am I contributing to their building? of the tabernacle. What is my contribution? Bible says in the same exodus, there, it says concerning Bezalel and Oholiab, I have filled them with my spirit to work an artistic work in the tabernacle. The gold that I have requested that they will give, I've given wisdom, understanding, intelligence, Know how to bezele. That was his contribution. Others brought the gold. And by the spirit of the Lord, he worked an engraved act of beauty for the glory of God. How am I contributing? Am I causing the tabernacle to be in ruin or I am actively rebuilding it? Beloved, the Lord does not want to separate from us. He wants to dwell among us. But how does he dwell? He spoke to Moses, his prophet. And he spoke to Haggai, his prophet. And he's speaking to us today also by his servant that we should take an offering and to build him a sanctuary. Sanctuary. A tabernacle, a place where you will meet with us, where you walk among us, where you will not reject us, where you will not separate from us, but we will live together. Somebody, you miss a good place, you bless the name of the Lord. Is your heart willing? That is the question. I want to leave with you this afternoon. It's your heart willing. I remember I've shared this testimony in a campus ministry, Assemblies of God campus ministry. You are in a prayer meeting, praying in a park, and our announcement somebody has stolen a church keyboard. Then, out of my spirit, out of my spirit, I said that I will buy the keyboard for the church. Then immediately I said that in my spirit, I said, God, make a way for me that I can buy this keyboard for the church. And right there, the idea to travel to the United Kingdom just came upon me. That I started to process my visa application to come for holidays in the UK. Why? The heart was swelling and God made the provision. Praise God. And when I came to the UK, by the grace of God, I was able to buy the keyboard for the church. God gives bread to eaters and he gives seed to sower. So when your heart wants to sow, he will give you seed. But if you are eater, Eating his 10%, eating his tithe, eating his offering, all you have is bread. And bread cannot sustain you. Man must not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. It's your heart willing. It's your heart willing. God spoke to the prophet. Consider your way. How is the affairs, state of affairs of your tabernacle? How is your tabernacle? Is it in ruin or is it in use? Does it be fit the dwelling of the king of kings? How do you treat the tabernacle of the Lord? Is it befitting? He said that even for the lilin, don't just get any lilin, find twisted. Find twisted lilin. It takes time. He does not require cheap. He did not ask for offering of wood and stones. It was the most common. You always asked you a sacrifice like Isaac, your only son, Isaac. The only resources like the widow who gave all that she had is your heart. willing. said. So consider your ways. Consider your ways. Amen. You do receive something for today. Why don't you put your hands together for the Lord? Next week, if the Lord tarries, we will go into the message. This is an introduction for you to ponder to reflect the state of your tabernacle? Are you helping, contributing to the building of the tabernacle or you are helping it to be in this array? The Lord sees and he hears. Sometimes in your conversations you think God is not there but he hears everything. So the people are saying, my house has to be in ruin. And yet, they build expensive. But I want to be with them. Let's reflect on this as we prepare to build on this. May the Lord bless you and keep you give you an understanding into his word open up your spirit so that you know that you are not ordinary that the full house the father son and the holy ghost dwells on the inside of you he does not want to visit he doesn't want to be a visitor he wants to dwell he wants to permanently live inside of you Olu build you a dwelling place. In Jesus' mighty name. Lift up your voice and begin to talk to him. So many words have been preached, but there is a word for somebody. He said to Moses, For I have called Bezalel by name. Does the Lord know you by name? When it comes to the tabernacle of the Lord, has he called you by name? Say, Father, don't do it without me. Father, don't do it without me. As a matter of fact, he does not want to do it without you. So he told Haggai, the prophet, said, Warn these people to consider their ways. Because I don't want to reject them, I don't want to be separated from them. Talk to your father. Father, in building the tabernacle, what is my assignment? What is my duty? What is my contribution? How do you want me to build? Realize that there is a pattern. There is a way to build. There is a pattern. He said, the pattern that I will show you. I believe the Lord will show you a pattern. In the name of Jesus. Talk to your father. Talk to your father. Talk to your father. Talk to your father. In the name of Jesus. Talk to him. something for today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We give you praise. We give you glory. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Beloved, God bless you. We thank God for your life. Hallelujah. Have a great week. And we're looking forward to serving the Lord with you. God bless you.